Uh, we're in this new series called How Do I Neighbor, right? And uh, where does that phrase come from? Well, it comes from the great command to love our Lord God with all of our heart and soul and strength and mind and to love whom? To love our neighbors. And so last week we talked about races reconciled. And I have to tell you, in our Connect group, it was so fantastic, the conversations about racism. We need to talk about this stuff more. And it was so refreshing to be able to talk about it together in a safe place. And so Today, we're going to talk about orphans and widows embraced. Now, a lot of you know that I'm the mom of three kids. I'm a wife and a mom, and my kids are older now, and uh, it's pretty fantastic to watch them grow, to grow up. My son Noah is 21, and he's married to a wonderful girl named Taylor, and uh, my oldest daughter, Trinity, is 18, and my youngest daughter, Eden, is 14. And I remember the ideas that I had before I became a parent, Uh, so became a parent, So I don't know if you have any kind of connection, but you know, before you're a parent, you have these ideas. Like one of mine was that my kids will never wear mismatched clothes. Like never, right? Like they were going to look like a Gap ad and they would always have on matching clothing. And this other crazy idea I had was that my kids will never wear gumboots in a mall. Like why? Like I don't even know where these crazy ideas came from, but these were some of the ideas I had before I became a mom, some judgments and some expectations of what I thought it would be like to be a mom, life would be perfect. And and of course, my kid would never have a temper tantrum at a grocery store, right? Like that would never happen because I was just going to be a super mom and I was going to just always be doing it right. And so my kids would never have a temper tantrum in a grocery store. Well, I got to tell you, Noah owned so many Hot Wheels cars because every time we went shopping, I was bribing that kid to not have temper tantrums in the grocery store because that's exactly what was happening in the grocery store. And... Uh, uh, and so we have all these ideas, right, of what parenting will look like. And, and I remember when we used to eat out all the time. My husband, Dwayne, and I, we used to eat out five nights a week. And then after you become a parent, you're just happy if the food is slightly warm, right? If it's, if it's hot, it's like a bonus, but just slightly warm. You're just so excited that you got to have a warm meal, right? And, and like every two days, you get about five minutes to yourself. And that's if you lock the door in the bathroom, right? And the kids are like pounding on the door, but you just need like that few minutes. And you got to try and decide as you're in the bathroom, what do I do with my five minutes? Do I have the fastest shower on earth or do I just lay down and cry, right? Like this can be some of the conversations we have when our kids are little. Well, to moms and dads that might be in that stage right now, because I'm not, I just want to encourage you. I just want to say, you can do it. You can do it. You can get through these difficult days. Why? Because children truly are a joy. They truly are a joy. You know, when our kids were little, 
um, our son Noah, he had this way of getting his papa and his daddy to like crawl underneath this little um, little frame that he had made that they would use to work on cars. And he'd have my dad laying on the carpet, you know, working on these little cars, right? Why? Because children are a joy. Because we just love them. And, and our daughter Trinity, she loved Hannah Montana. She's probably going to kill me for telling you all this, but she loved Hannah Montana. And so she would like do all these fashion shows for me. And I have like all these photos of her doing fashion shows. She was just such a joy. And, and Eden, she was the little butterfly, we called her. And she used to, like, we'd take her to the McDonald's Playland, and she would ask people, like, instantly, do you want to be my friend? Like, do you want to be my friend? And she was just collecting people and just, like, singing this song of joy, right? And so as much as those other situations are difficult, why do we do it? Because children truly are a joy. And I just, I love being a mom, and I love these kids. And I got to tell you, these kids, they are easy to love. They are amazing. And I couldn't be more proud of how they are turning out. You see, being a mom is one of the greatest gifts of my life, right? And at the same time, as much as so many of us have joy in parenthood, I know that there's lots who this is a really tender topic. This is an area of hurt. And so I just want to say to you that, that God sees your situation. He sees that hurt, and he is tender with you. You see, as we talk about parenting and about moms, it's easy to realize that just because a mom or a woman becomes pregnant doesn't mean she's ready to be a parent, right? Unfortunately, today, there are lots of circumstances where women are not ready because of massive addictions or abuse or they've been mistreated and they don't know how to show love, right? And so it, maybe they're suffering with a, a severe mental illness. Or the list could go on and on, right? Why sometimes moms become moms even though they're not ready for that responsibility. And the same is true with guys, with men, right? Just because you have sex with a woman and get her pregnant doesn't mean, guys, that you're ready to be a dad, Right? And so today, I was taking a look at the statistics here in Canada, and because of some of those realities in our world, we have children who have been brought into the world and, and parents that are not equipped to take care of those children. And so in Canada today, um, there are about 48,000 kids who don't have a home isn't that just staggering and shocking? And in British Columbia, there's about 7,000 children that don't have a home. Like, guys, that's just not okay. That's just not all right. 7,000 kids in our province that don't have a home. And when we hear these statistics, it can be a little bit overwhelming, right? To think like, whoa, that's a lot of children. But here's the thing, church. There are more Christians in British Columbia than there are children who need a home, right? There are absolutely more Christians in the world, in Canada, in British Columbia, than there are children who need a home. 
And, and the last census that we took in Canada was 10 years ago. And it said at that point that 67% of Canadians were connected or affiliated to a Christian denomination. And that was 10 years ago. And I got I to gotta say, I, I wonder if that number, uh, 68%, is pretty high 10 years later. I would guesstimate it's probably 30 or 40% of our country that are, are affiliated to Christianity. So even if we use 35% as a conservative number of the people that are in British Columbia, that still means that there's 1.6 million Christians in our province that could be the church and foster or adopt those 7,000 kids. Now, that number doesn't seem so difficult, does it? It doesn't seem so overwhelming when we think 7,000 kids, 1.6 million Christians. You see, guys, today this is what I feel like God is saying to us, is that this is an avenue for us to be the church. And I'm really hoping that you're going to connect to this message. And if you're like, no, 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 but I don't want to adopt. I don't want to foster. I'm just going to tune out. I'm going to turn this off. Please don't. I believe that God has a message for us today. And it's, it's more than a fostering or adopting. There's other things that we can do. You see, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, I'm believing that the church is plan A to help children who are in need. And if we look to James 1.27, this scripture says to us, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. So he's giving you the answer right here. If you want religion, if you want relationship with God that is pure and faultless, it is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So what's the purest form of religion? It's to look after the orphans, right? What's the purest form of religion? It's to look after the widows in their distress. And to do what? something else, it, the last thing there, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And if you're online with us, I would love it if you would type that in the chat. Type in there, right? The purest form of religion is to look after the orphans, to look after the widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You see, this is the central theme of the gospel, is to care for one another. And so if I was to show you some, some pictures of some, of some orphans, I'm pretty sure I know a lot of you would jump in and say, how can I help? Now, the reason is that um, we're all born in our spirit with a sense of compassion and care. And so when I show you this picture of this three-month-old little girl, her name is Sylvia. And if you can see her on your screen, her name is Sylvia. And if I said to you that Sylvia's mom is in rehab and she's trying to get over an oxycodone addiction and she doesn't know who the dad is, and I show you this picture of this adorable little girl, Sylvia, what would you do? You'd be like, how can I help? What can I do? Jesus, is there something I could do for this little girl? Or if I showed you this picture of these twin girls, their names are Micah and Allie, and I explained to you that their dad is in prison and that their mom died of an overdose. And they want to stay together. These twin little twin girls, they want to stay together, but, but they can't find a home. What would you say? Would you say yes? Yes, I want to jump in. How can I help? Well, why would you do this? Because you saw the face 
of a child who was in need because you heard the name, because you heard a tiny bit of the story of a child who was in, in need. And this face puts a name to the story. And so when we say that there's 7,000 children in British Columbia that need homes, it's easy just to say, well, that's a statistic, that's a number, and to like disassociate, to disconnect from that. But there's 7,000 little stories. There's little Sylvia's, there's little Allie's, there's little Micah's. They're the ones that need a home. And I believe that God has called us as the church to care for those who are in need. And so I took and I just I made a list of all of the big problems that we face in society today, right? Like you could probably like name and call out problems in society today. Stuff like broken families, fatherlessness, divorce, poverty, substance abuse, incarceration, homelessness, domestic abuse, gang violence, racism, teenage pregnancy, human trafficking, right? It goes on and on and on, the things that are wrong in our society. And who do you think pays the greatest price for all of those dysfunctions? Children. Children pay the greatest price, don't they? Children who didn't create that problem. It is no fault of theirs whatsoever. And yet they're the ones that are impacted the most by all of these broken things in our society. And so perhaps that's why God said to us in Psalm 82, verse 3 and 4, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. God said, church, you are plan A. You are to defend the weak and the fatherless. You are to rescue the weak and the needy. And it's pretty clear. It's not encoded. Like, it's not like, oh, you need to go over here to get the rest of the answer. It's very clear what God is calling us to do. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Defend the weak and those that don't have parents, the orphans. Rescue the weak and the needy. Right? And for most of us, we could go, well... Yeah, like if I see somebody in trouble, of course I'm going to like run over there and I'm going to help them and I'm going to help the person in front of me who's in need, right? Because because I have a I have compassion and I have care and and I want people to do well, right? Or or things like if you were to see like an animal that's being hurt, right? You would like run over and intervene and and try and help them. And I remember this one time uh, when our kids were little, we had this hamster whose name was Rhino, and he was an escape artist. This little hamster was constantly getting out of his cage. Like, it didn't matter if you, like, locked it up and, you know, put 10 locks on that cage. Somehow, this hamster would get out of that cage, right? And so then, as soon as we discovered he was out of the cage, we were all running around trying to find Rhino, trying to get him safely back to his cage. Why? Why? 
Well, because hamsters are cute and we didn't want anything bad to happen to our hamster because we loved and cared for this little hamster. And so we wanted to bring him back to safety, right? That's why we have campaigns like Save the Whales, Save the Spotted Owls, and of course, Save the Children, right? Save the Children, Rescue the Needy, Defend the Weak, Care for the Fatherless. And yet, I have to confess, in my world, and, and you probably maybe feel the same way, that when it's out of sight, it's out of mind, right? And I just think, well, I'm so busy, right? I'm, I'm a mom, and, and I'm a wife, and I, I have a lot of responsibility. I'm, I'm a pastor, and so, you know, whatever position, whatever sphere that God has given to you, it's pretty easy for all of us to just disconnect and say, oh, no, 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 it's someone else's problem. Those 7,000 kids, no, 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 it's someone else's problem, right? I've got my own bills to pay. I've got my own schedule to work on, right? But God cares, about these children more than we could ever imagine. And I believe he's calling us as the church to care for them as well. And so in Psalm 68, it says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Okay, so this is a description of God. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of the widows. Is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. Read that again with me. Read it out loud. Put it in the chat. God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. Okay, and I love this imagery because one, God, right? He's the father to the fatherless. He's the defender of the widows. And in his holy dwelling, he's the father to the fatherless. He's a defender of the widows, right? And he sets the lonely into families. And so when we look at this number, 7,000 kids in BC, and some of those kids are praying God, would you give me a family? God, would you set me into a place, a family? What does God do? Well, he looks for families, for people who are willing to say yes. And then he orchestrates that and brings those two together. You know, a man or a woman um, who is widowed, has had their whole life turned upside down. Everything is different. And they are lonely. Like all of the, the systems, the patterns, the normalcies, the habits with their spouse are now being redefined, relived out, and they are lonely. And maybe all they need for you is to say, yes, God, plant them in my family. And maybe I'm just a family of one but God plant them into my family, care for them, care for the, order, uh, the orphans and the widows. And why? Why do we want to plant the lonely into families? So that they can experience the love and compassion and joy and hope of Jesus Christ. Because that's the gift that we have to give. Maybe we don't have everything. I'm pretty sure we don't. But we do have something, and that's the grace and joy and love of Jesus Christ to be able to share that with somebody else. And that's you. That's you. And that's me. 
every single one of us, if we're going to proclaim that we believe in the, the power of the cross, that we believe in Jesus Christ, then we also say, yes, I believe that God can use me to love and to care for somebody who's lonely, someone who's orphaned, someone who's been abandoned, someone who has been widowed. Why? So that they could be exposed to God's love. You see, my question for you is, does God have his eye on your family? What if God is, is nudging you, and as, as the Spirit is speaking to you today, you're just kind of like, no, 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 Jesus. Like, I, I don't, I'm not ready for that. No, 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 I don't want to do that. Well, I believe that God is going to nudge all of us today to love and care for somebody, right? Why? Because God has destined it. He has designed it that he sets the lonely in families. And I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's not easy. And I know that we could say, yeah, I'm supposed to care, but I'm too busy. But I believe the Spirit wants to speak to you today. And I pray that you will open to that nudging and to that voice. That you wouldn't say no, but that you would say, God, what are the opportunities for me? Maybe they're not adopting. Maybe it's not fostering. But God, is there something else I could do to care for a widow or somebody lonely around me? See, years ago, we used to attend this church in the city, and there was this family and this young couple, and um, they were young, and they had five children. And I, I always wondered, like, wow, like, they must have started really young, because some of the children were a little older, and they were such a young couple. Well, the reason was that they had said yes to the nudging of the Holy Spirit. And the children were actually their nieces and nephews that they had adopted because both of their parents had passed away, right? Sometimes we just need to follow and say yes. Church family, we are plan A. We are God's plan A. And if he's nudging you, I hope that you say yes today. You see, if you were to think about it, this may be one of the most godlike things you do is when you invite somebody into your family, right? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, that's exactly what God did to you, isn't it? God invited you into his family. And I hope that you get that, right? Like we were all spiritual orphans. I was a spiritual orphan. I was separated from God by my sin. But because of Jesus, what did God do? He adopted me. He welcomed me in. I was no longer spiritually fatherless. I now had a God, God my father that I could call on. And, and it's not because of anything I've done that's good. It's not because I deserve it. It's not because of anything. It's because God first loved us. That's why. This is the goodness of God, and this is why Jesus came, so that you would be spiritually born into the family of God. You bear his name, and you are no longer on your own. You are no longer an orphan. You are adopted into God, God's family. And in Ephesians 1.5, Paul says this to the believers. God decided in advance to adopt us, into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. What did God do? 
he decided in advance that he was going to adopt all of us into God's family, right? And it brought him great pleasure. So what can I do? Well, I know that there are, are um, there's a need for foster homes out there, and maybe I can pray about it, or maybe I can share a message, and maybe you pray about it, and God nudges something in you and stirs something up in you so that you just can't take it anymore. You're like, I've got to do something about this problem. God is calling me to do something about this problem. And so we reflect that purpose and love in our life by being obedient to him. You see, in our home, we've never fostered and we've never um, adopted children, um, although we have thought of it many, many times. But one thing I do have to say is that we have loved lavishly single parents, single moms, single dads, uh, children and widows, divorcees over the years. We've helped them with care. We've, we've brought them meals. We've been a friend, a listening ear. We've had uh, sleepovers and child care for them to give them a break. That is something that God has called us to do. And you know, beyond that, Dwayne and I love having young people in our home. And so, uh, so many of our son's friends have become like family. We've like almost like adopted them into our family. And so many of them call us their uh, second mom or their second dad. And actually, a few years ago, one of Noah's friends, his dad passed away. And he said to Dwayne, I guess you're my dad now, Right. So no, we're not adopting or fostering kids, but we're creating this environment. Come and be with us and do life with us and open up the fridge and help yourself to some food. And here's the key to the door, right? This is plan A. This is plan A, church. And I want you to understand something, and this is really important to me, and I want you to hear this because it's important to me because it's important to God. And it should matter to us. But I believe and we should believe in the sanctity of life. We value all life. We value the life of an unborn child. We value the life of a baby. We deeply value the life of a teenage girl who ends up pregnant and is scared to death because she doesn't feel like she has the tools and the equipment to be a mom. We value parents who are maybe at one point or another have not adequately been able to care for their children. And maybe there's somebody even here today or somebody who's watching and your heart is breaking because you are not with your children. I want to say we value you. We value you and the struggle that you are in. We care about life because life doesn't just need a family. All life needs a spiritual family. Every single one of us needs a church family we need a spiritual family. We need the church because it is God's plan A is the church. And so because we believe in the sanctity of all life, then we say come and be a part of our spiritual family. And you know, it doesn't have to be something big. It can be something small. It can be messaging the church and saying, I want to be a part of next-gen kids, right? 
There are kids right here in our church that need a friend, that need you to pray for them, that need support. So come. And I also want to say to dads, dads, and I, and I know I'm not a dad. Obviously, I'm a mom. But dads, I see the mess in our world, and I'm not blaming you. I am so not. But what I am saying is, dads, we need you to step up. Dads, we need you to take responsibility to spiritually be engaged and a part of the family that you have. And if you're not a dad of children, but you're a man, it's step up. Step in. We need you. We need you, men, to lead, to disciple, to nurture, and to mentor the children that are in your family. You know, I want to just share, and so many of you know my husband, Dwayne, and you know I absolutely love that man. Like, woo, I love that man. And I got to tell you, he, he doesn't do everything right, but one thing he does do right is he is a fantastic dad. He invests in the life of his kids. His girls will cuddle up with him on the couch and watch their favorite TV shows together, right? His, our, our son came over yesterday to change the tires um, on his car and just spent hours just visiting with his dad. He doesn't have it all right, but he's invested in those kids. He's attentive. He is like with them when he is with them. And dads, I'm saying, follow this example. Step up. Step into your families. Because one thing I do know about my girls is that they are not looking for love in all the wrong places. They know they have a daddy who adores them and who loves them and who fills that need that they have right now in a safe and healthy way. So dads, step up and be that example. You know, for all of us, there's something that we can do, and it doesn't need to be a big thing, right? We can throw a baby shower for a family who's adopting. We can help a social worker who's overloaded and underpaid. We can provide needs for those who are going through something and need some financial help, or we can give some respite to a family or to a foster family, right? We can help by stepping into these small ways. And you know, one thing that we're doing here at Gateway is we're doing this thing called um, Adopt a Teacher. And we want to honor and bless teachers in our community because, you know, they really are caring for so many kids that don't have both parents or maybe are in a foster situation or are newly adopted or have lost a parent. And our teachers are loving them loving them and pouring into them and discipling them. And so we want to bless teachers. And so we want to ask that you would partner with us. And we've had... Um I'm hoping you've heard of this, right, that you can nominate a teacher from the city. And if you haven't done this yet, please do this by May 2nd. This is so important that we go into the school system and bless and honor our teachers. So please nominate somebody. We've got 69 nominations so far, and, and I, I hope we can, like, triple that number. But here's the other thing. We want to honor 40 teachers, and we have three gifts that have come in so far. And so church, if you're like, well, I don't know what to do to love somebody, here's a way. Here's a way to love is to go onto the website, onto the Church Center app, and become a donor. Buy some chocolates. Buy some tea. 
and honor the teachers in our city. You see, we can't do everything, but we can do something, right? Let's not live in a place where we think that the enemy is greater and that we have been overcome, right? Greater is Jesus. Greater is he who lives in the world than he who lives in me, right? Greater is Jesus. Greater is he, right? Greater is he who lives in me. We can make a difference. And when we do this, we don't change the whole world, but we change the world for one person, And that, I believe, we're called to. If there's 100 people online and all 100 of you go and make the difference in one person this week, that's 200 people that have been impacted. If there's 70 people in our parking lot and you go and you help one person, now that's 140 people that have been impacted. That means 340 people would be impacted in this one week if we all just did one thing. Can you please honk if you think you could just do one thing. Can you just do one thing? Yes, we can. We can do just one thing. Yes. God is calling us, church, to do one thing. And then let's build on that. And let's do one more thing the next th- next week. And one more thing. And one more thing. Let's take the lonely and let's set them into our families. Because I have a dream. Church, I have a dream that every single parent who calls Gateway Church their home would feel spiritual support by us as a church community. I have a dream that every single, single parent would come here and say, this is my church and they love me and support me. I have a dream that when a teenage girl becomes pregnant, she doesn't run from the church thinking that's a place of condemnation, but she runs to us. She runs to us because she knows that we're going to love her unconditionally. We are going to care for her and help her. I have a dream church, and I don't think it's too great. I don't think it's too big that we say no, no, 7,000 children in British Columbia that need to be in a home is not okay. We need to say no. We need to pray. We need to press into that. Jesus, this is not okay, and you've called us to be the church. We are plan A, so what are we doing on our butts? Let us move. Let us move, Jesus. Speak to us, God. Stir this up in us, God, so that it is just something that we cannot close, something that we cannot walk away from. I have a dream, church, that there would be no lonely people in our city. And you know, loneliness is our pandemic. And you can do something about it to change it in the life of just one person. So I want you just to think right now, just just right now, Jesus, who is somebody that I could care for this week? Open your mind. Just let him speak to you. Who is one person that you could care for this week? Church, we are plan A. We are the bride of Christ. It's the most wonderful relationship because with it comes all the fullness and the glory and the power 
of Jesus Christ, of God the Father and of the Spirit. And yet, I, I'm being bold. There's responsibility when we are in the family of God. There's responsibility that we love and care for those that are around us. And so, Father, as we close in prayer today, help us to be a good neighbor. Help us to protect those that cannot defend themselves. I pray today, Jesus, that you move in our hearts, that you would speak, that we would step out of our comfort zones. And I, I pray, Jesus, every single one of us would hear something and that we would like chat with each other and tell each other, oh, Jesus has got me going to do this thing this week. And I'm so excited about it. I can't wait to go and to care for somebody else. I'm not going to accept victim language. I'm not going to accept defeat. I'm not going to accept that COVID says I can't do stuff. No, I'm going to be creative. I'm going to find a way to go and to love somebody this week. Yes, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Yes, God. Prompt in us. Move in us, God. We want to say yes to the things that you are calling us to do. And I pray even now, wherever you are, at home, in your car, if you would raise your hand in response. And it's not because I can see. I can't see. But I want you to raise your hand in response that, yes, I'm going to do something this week to care and love for somebody else. And you're saying it to Jesus. You're saying it to God. Brian, thanks. I can see your hand out the window of your car. It's so awesome. Yes, God. And I pray that nobody today would hear any words of guilt. And if you've heard that, you need to cast that. That is a lie. Guilt is a lie. Shame is a lie. Jesus wants to work through you. You are enough. What you have is enough. So let him work and use, use you this week. Yes. Empower us, God. Show us your love so we can show other people. Thank you, Jesus. We just surrender to you, God. You're so mighty. You're so good. Yes, Jesus. Amen. Amen.